Welcome, Mr. Leonard. Thank you very much. I'm doing well. How are you, please? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Thank God. We thank God. It's a privilege and an honor to have you here. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Your wife is a very wonderful woman. Yes, she is. We thank you. All right. And my wife, too, is here. I want to say... The, Man, we normally um use our microphones because sometimes we have stuff going on in the background. So we, you know, every now and again, you know, we want to say amen or something, but we'll we'll unmute it. But normally we'll just mute it for the most part and let the pastor speak so it don't be you no know, nothing in the background. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. I understand. That's you the first me? lady right there. First lady, this is my husband, Leonard. Leonard, this is first lady. How you doing? Hello. How are you? All right, all right. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm glad to have you joining us tonight. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your mercies that have preserved our lives for today. We are grateful. We say we thank you for food on our table, for shoes on our feet, for our families, our children. And above all, we thank you for the gift of life. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your mercies and by your love we are here. Therefore, we are grateful. Tonight, you said in Luke eleven thirteen that if we would ask for the Holy Spirit, you will give it to us more than we can even give good things to other people. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. We ask that the Spirit of God will bring understanding into our hearts. We ask that our hearts will become a good ground that will receive the seed of the Word of God. That by the time we are done with these Bible studies, our lives would have been transformed and would have had an encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We thank God. We bless God. For for a while now, we've been looking at becoming a strong Christian. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.10 that we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we found out that strength is very, very important. And we've looked at all different aspects of the benefits of strength. We've seen that without strength, we cannot help other people. We've seen that without strength, we cannot do so much. 
we see that without strength if an enemy that is stronger than us attacks us that enemy is going to overcome us and defeat us so we need to be stronger than even the enemy you know and the fact that he even says be strong in the lord means one can be weak in god and when you are weak in god what it means is that your belief system you don't have strong faith in god and as a result of that you are likely to be moved you are likely to be removed from the faith you are likely to be moved to something else by the devil amen and so amen. it is not just being strong in other things that matter but you must also be strong in god you can be strong financially you can be strong physically but you must also be strong spiritually amen and amen. we saw that one of the ways we can develop strength is by having knowledge the bible says that knowledge increases strength knowledge increases strength when you see someone that is acquainted with enough information they are not weak people and when they make decisions they make strong decisions because the decisions they are making are backed by solid proofs and adequate information hallelujah and so we have seen the importance of having strength and becoming strong in god in addition to that we have looked at the different aspects of how we can become strong in god we've looked at the ability of becoming steadfast where you have to stay on the right path steadfastness means the ability to stay on the right course or the ability to come back to the right course if you veered off or you moved away from it and we look at the benefits of being steadfast amen we've looked at all aspects of becoming steadfast and we can say that our lives really have been really been blessed amen we look at the fact that we need to develop this ability to be steadfast by not being overconfident by allowing ourselves to be corrected by not looking back at the world you know and so we've been blessed tremendously in these past few months we've been studying the word of god and then we now moved ahead into becoming an unmovable christian our foundational scripture is in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 let's open to first corinthians 15:58 first corinthians chapter 15 verses 58 chapter again sir chapter 15 one five 
Please read it if you are there. I'm there. So this is the New International Revised Version. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. My dear brothers and sisters, remain strong in the faith. Don't let anything move you. Always give yourselves completely to the work of the Lord. Because you belong to the Lord. You know that your work is not worthless. Amen. Amen. Um, Leonard, your your verse probably doesn't say the same thing. Right. I see the confusion. <laughs> no, I need my glasses too. Oh, I see you squeaking. I think you screeching too, trying to see something. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. Like you can see something now. Did <laughs> you go, boy? But yeah, your Bible, you, you have the King James version that, that I just had you download, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you probably hers. She read from a wholly different, uh, a totally different Bible. So yours is definitely going to say something totally different. Okay, um, I'll follow it. Yeah, you can go ahead and read it. Um... Mr. Lena. Therefore, my beloved brother, I move always abundant in the work of the Lord. Forsake ye that not labor and not in the vein in the Lord. Amen. Wow. Amen. So you write that you see that it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in God. So we are looking at being unmovable. He said we should be steadfast and unmovable. We've looked at steadfastness. Now we are looking at being an unmovable Christian. Amen. And we've looked at the fact that if the Bible tells you to position yourself in such a way that you should not be moved it means you can be moved there is a possibility that something stronger and powerful than you are is likely to move you and therefore you need to fortify yourself to protect yourself from being moved away amen yes and so it's very very important we have that understanding i want us i want us to quickly look at um a very wonderful scripture luke chapter 20. luke chapter 20 verses 19 to 25 Luke 20 19 to 25 you said chapter 20 what you say sir Luke chapter 20 
verses 19 to 25. Oh, look, 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 look. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Amen. Please go ahead, babe. Amen. Right. 25, right? Yeah, um, verses 19 to 25. Okay. Amen. The religion... <clears throat> I'm reading from the Message Bible, uh, Luke 20, chapter, well, Luke chapter 20, verse 19, 19 through 25. Um, the religion scholars and high priests wanted to lynch him on the spot, but they were intimidated by public opinion. They knew the story was about them. Watching for a chance to get him, they spent, they sent spies who posed as honest inquirers hoping to trick him into saying something that would get him in trouble with the law so they asked him teacher we know that you're honest and straightforward when you teach that you don't pander to anyone to, but teach the way of God accurately tell us is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not he knew they were laying for they were laying for him and said, "Show me a coin." Now this engraving, who does it look like and what does it say? Caesar, they said. Jesus said, "Then give Caesar what is his and give God what is his." Amen. Hallelujah. I believe it's clear enough for us to understand. Yeah. So, when you look at this scripture, you see that Jesus was in a position of being tempted to do something that would cost him, cause him a lot of problem. First of all, the people were, the Israelites were under the rulership of the Romans, the Roman people, you know. And they didn't like them. And so they wanted to trick Jesus into saying something that would be a problem for him. So when they came, they asked him, they said, we know that you are a very good person or you speak the truth. As for you, when it comes to you, there is no partiality. So they asked him, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he, he said to them, give me a coin. And he asked them, whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar. And he said, okay, give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar. And give what belongs to God to God. I mean, really, when you think about the answer he gave them, it's a bit strange. What, what does he mean by give what belongs to God to God? You know? But what Jesus really meant is that on the coin you have the image of caesar which is the property of caesar's so you give that coin to the owner because he owns it his image is on it that's why you must pay taxes when you take the american dollar whose image is on the dollar what where does the money belong to if you take my currency it belongs to my country so it's the property of my country and therefore i am bound 
to give what belongs to them to them. Amen. And therefore, wow. Jesus also said that we need to give what belongs to God to God. What he meant was that we need to give our lives to God too. Because we are created in the image of God. So we are God's property and God owns us. Hallelujah. So we are God's property. And we are bound to give our life to him. Just as much we give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar. Amen. Because Jesus, if he had answered the people, don't give taxes Oh, the people would have been so happy and then Jesus would have gotten in trouble with the Roman soldiers and all kinds of things. Now, if he had told the people that you need to pay taxes, oh, the people would have been so unhappy with him and hungry, you know, because they didn't like them. But he gave them the exact answer that is needed, that they need to give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar, and what belongs to God to God. Unfortunately, many people have misused this scripture to do all kinds of bad things. People like drinking all kinds of things into all kinds of life. And when you, I mean, I've, I've met so many people, you try to speak to them about God and they tell you, even Jesus said, give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar and what belongs to God to God. So right now, I am giving what belongs to Caesar to Caesar. Allow me to drink and party. I mean, really? The party, who does it belong to? You know? Who does the alcohol belong to? Oh. Very funny enough. Amen. So the underlying understanding here is that by giving what belongs to God to God is that we are created in the image of God. And therefore, we are God's property. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God said, Let us create man in our own image and after our likeness. Amen. So we are created in the image of God. Now, when the Bible speaks of created in the image of God, it's not referring to your physical body. It is not referring to your nose. Or your face or your handsome or your beautiful face is actually referring to something that is beyond this flesh which is your spirit the human being is a complex being in three dimensions the Bible says you are a spirit you are not this your body you are a spirit you have a soul and you are living in this body this body is helping you to live here on this earth just as if you want to go to space you will need a space suit because you cannot go to space with this your body you will die you would have to have a suit that is going to be able to help you accommodate your body and help you to make the right movement you have to do in space and so Spirit beings cannot live here on this body. They can live here on this earth, but they cannot express themselves or do something that can affect this three-dimensional world without a body. So even evil spirits and demonic spirits, they even need bodies to operate. 
So evil spirit sees human beings as their house or their home. So they are always looking for a body to occupy so that they can operate and manifest whatever they have, whatever intention they have. And your spirit also needed a body to operate. So after God created the body, the Bible says he breathed the breath of life into man and man became a living soul. And so that is where you begin to understand that, okay, we were created by God's we were created by God in the image of God. And God is a spirit. John 4, 24. John 4, 24. Let's read it. What it says. John chapter 4, verse Please read if you are there. You said uh, John 20? John chapter John 4. One more time. John, John 4. John chapter, 4. John chapter 4, verse 24. Verse 24. God is the spirit. And they're mm -hmm. not worshiping him, but worshiping him in the spirit and in the truth. God is spirit. God Amen. is spirit. But the amazing thing is that God is not a physical body that you can see. God is a spirit. Okay? Right. And when god created us in an image he created us as spirit beings but the bible says he placed us in this earth so that we will be able to have contact with the three dimensional the trees the animals and all that is around us so the spirit in man operates by helping the man and by helping the flesh all right it's like a car the cab needs both gas to operate and it needs the key to spark the car. You understand? They both complement right. each other. You know? But one, unfortunately, can dominate the other one and lead it into distraction, which is the flesh. The flesh can dominate the spirit and it will bring it will it will not help the spirit to function the way it's supposed to function and all the flesh has known is weakness and sin and bad things and pleasure that is outside the confines of the commandments of god and so you realize that the bible says that Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. The book of Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians 5 16 and 17. Galatians 5 16 and 17? Yes, please. Okay. So my version says, So I say, live by the Holy Spirit's power. Then you will not do what your desires controlled by sin want you to do. The desires controlled by sin do not want what the spirit delights in. And the spirit does not want what the desires controlled by sin delight in. The two are at war with each other. That's why you are not supposed to do whatever you want. Hallelujah. Another version. This I say then. Walk into the spirit and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And there are countries to the one others. To they cannot be the things that we would. Hallelujah. So you see that between you, the individual, there is a fight going on between your spirit and your body, your flesh. To prevent you from doing what you are supposed to do. And the Bible is saying that if you are ever to walk, don't follow this flesh. Follow the spirit. But you see, if your spirit is weak, if your spirit is subjected and has been captured by your flesh and is been imprisoned, you cannot really be free to do the right thing. So you, you always find yourself doing the wrong thing because it is your flesh that is dominating and it keeps leading you, keeps leading you. Whenever the spirit is leading you, the spirit will lead you to do something that is contrary to what your flesh wants. For instance, when your spirit is leading you in relation to sex, your spirit will tell you that you need to have a wife legitimately have a wife then you can enjoy sex but your flesh will tell you you don't need to marry a woman just go for any woman at all and sleep with so these are two different things because your spirit will always try to subject itself to the law of god and to do the right thing but your flesh is not like that at all amen and so these are the difficult challenges that even the human being experiences and for those that are not even in christ jesus or have not given their lives to god in a certain dimension they are 100 percent led and dominated by their flesh because the flesh has its works to understand with the flesh when i say this flesh look at 19 look at the same scripture we read verse 19 20 21 and then you see that these are, okay, when I'm doing this, okay, it is my flesh. It is not my spirit. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Galatians, um, from the Message Bible, chapter 5, verse 19, 19 through 21. Um It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time repetitive loveless cheap sex uh stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage 
frenzied and joyless grabs for for happiness trinkets of god's magic show religion paranoid loneliness cutthroat competition all-consuming yet never satisfying wants a brutal temper and impotent to love or be loved divided homes and divided lives small-minded and lopsided pursuits the vicious habit of personalizing everyone into a rival uncontrolled and uncontrollably uh, uncontrollable addictions ugly parodies of community please go ahead okay um let me see here i could go on this isn't the first time i had warned you you know if you use your freedom this way you will not inherit god's kingdom amen so that's the message let's look at the king james what it says lenard i'm trying to figure out where y'all at <laughs> Excuse me. You said 21? From verses, Galatians 5, right? From verses 19 to 21. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19. Okay. Now the words of the flesh is manifest, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, witchcraft, hatred, illumination, wrath. Oh, man. Oh, it's coming out. Say, well, I'm sorry. Evilness, murderous, drunkness, and such like. One of which I tell you before, and I have also told you at a past time, that that which do not such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Thank you. Gentleness, and faith. Thank you very much. We, we, we wanted to stay at the verse 21. So you see the descriptions of what the flesh does drunkenness, drinking of alcohol and becoming drunk, envy, murder, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, you know, fornication, you know. Um, can you hear me? Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. So you see that all these things are the works of the flesh. So when an individual lives by that, it will not be helpful for that individual. So that individual must learn to live by the spirit. So the spirit will not lead you to go and drink alcohol and get drunk and disgrace yourself the spirit right. will not lead you to commit fornication because the bible says the only way you can avoid from fornication is to have your wife not a girlfriend or have your husband not a boyfriend amen but like amen. i said earlier 
it is the flesh that is majority of the human beings are led by their flesh not by their spirit including christians so you see when you become a christian so you now have to fight to learn to obey your spirit rather than your flesh because for 20 or 40 or 50 years of your life all you've been doing is obeying your flesh your flesh your flesh your flesh and so you become used to your flesh you say when you start to eat something and you develop appetite for that thing it's not easy to break away because you will love it and so that is what the flesh does we develop appetite for sin we love bad things we love to do bad things we love drugs we love alcohol we love all kinds of the bad things you can imagine you know and it becomes a difficulty to move away from amen but when you have the spirit of god in you that brings rekindle or fire into your spirit it now begins to help you to shift away from these things so that you can please god and remember the bible says those who perform these things that are after the flesh are not going to inherit the kingdom of god amen, amen. so it is very important that in order for us to be unmovable we need to keep ourselves away from these things amen now the subject we are looking at today is the ability of not being moved by foolish questions we are going to learn about how not to be moved away by foolish questions second timothy chapter 2 second timothy chapter 2 what is that again second timothy you said chapter 2 pastor yes second please. timothy yes please Verses 22 and 23. But the main one is 23. Our um, foundational scripture. But just add 22 to it. Ye also youngest lush, but follow righteousness, faith, clarity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of her hurt. But foolishness and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strikes. Amen. But foolish and unlearned question avoid. Okay, what does the other version say? My love, your version. Which was that? Second Timothy um, 2 and what verse? 23. 23. Okay. Run away from the evil things that young people long for. Try hard to do what is right. Have faith, love, and peace. Do these things together with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with arguing. It is dumb and foolish. You know it only leads to fights. Hallelujah. Miss Caroline, what does the message say? Wow. 
Now, you know I'm around about it over here. Um, I'm going to take a shot over here. Uh, God's servants must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly, but... No, no, go, 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 go before that, the preceding verse. Okay, um, let me see, that looks like it's going to be 22 is where it looks like it starts. Please go ahead. Run away from infantile, infantile indulgence run after mature righteous righteousness faith love and peace joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before god refuse to get involved in inane discussions they always end up in fights okay so that's god, what, that's what you just read refuse to engage but the king james says but foolish and unlearned question avoid 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 foolish questions because foolish questions can move you away from god now the bible says we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil satan has strategies he uses to destroy people to take people away from God. He has devices. And the more you know your enemy, the better you become at winning the battle against your enemy. Right. So you have to know his strategy. That's why in war, people are sent to spy on their enemies, to find out their strategy, the weapons they are using, how they are going to invade, how they are going to attack, then, then they arm themselves with all the necessary information they get. So you see that every nation has spies. In living in different parts of the world, who, who keeps feeding them with information? Right now, they've even moved further by not sending human beings, but they have drones. Every day, 24 hours, there are drones that are far in the sky watching the neighboring country. Spying on them to gain an information that will help them harm themselves in case that neighboring country rises up to fight them. Amen. Amen. So it takes knowledge, not just strength, but it also takes knowledge to win a battle. Now, one of the strategies of the enemy is, is that Satan is an expert at throwing questions into the air and creating all sorts of suspicion and confusion. That is one of the ways he works. To throw questions into the air. To create all sorts of suspicion and confusion. Number one, you, you see that almost every minister of the gospel, almost every preacher of the gospel is surrounded by suspicion and accusation and all kinds of questions. You understand? Even God himself has been accused of not existing. There are those who say God does not exist. 
if there is an, someone who is existing there, it is not God. Maybe there is a, a superpower somewhere, an energy somewhere. Eh? But those people are cate categorized as foolish people. Look at Psalms. The book of Psalm. Look at the book of Psalms. Sounds. It start with a P. It don't look like it's special. It says I, something. But I just like say I just have Peter. Peter, we talk about P H I. No, no, it's, it's in it's the Old Testament. P S is in Sam. Spell it again. P is in Paul. S is in Sam. A L M S. I don't have that. It's in the Old Testament. See, look. I don't know if I can see this, but... You scroll all the way up to the, to the top? Let me see. Please lift it up. Okay, I'm sorry. Is that the New Is Testament? Is that all the top where it says Genesis? Do you have a search on there? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, hit the search button and then put P as in Paul, S as in Sam, and it should pull up Psalms. Oh, okay. Okay, I got it now. Okay. Sorry, Pastor. Sorry about that. It's okay. And what chapter? 53, verse 1. Psalms 53, verses 1. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. You want me to read the verse 1? Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. The fool heart said in the heart, There is no God. Corrupt heart are they, and have done abominant. There is none that that good. Wow. God locked down. No, Stop. just just the verse one. Okay. Wow. Oh, you you go ahead, go ahead and read the verse two. Okay. And and then read the verse three, and then read the verse four. Huh. Okay. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were there any that did understand. They didn't seek God. Every one of them going back. They all together become filthy. Man, that's my stuff. There is none that they're good. No, not one. Have the workers had union to knowledge who eat up my people as they eat up bread. They have not called upon God. Amen. 
Wow. What does your version say? One through four? Yes, please. Full, uh, foolish people say in their hearts there is no God. They do all kinds of horrible and evil things. No one does anything good. God looks down from heaven on all people. He wants to see if there are any who understand. He wants to see if there are any who trust in God. All of them have turned away. They have all become evil. No one does anything good. No one at all. Don't these people who do evil know anything? They eat up my people as if they were eating bread. They never call out to God for help. So you see that we are looking at trying to move away from foolish questions. And one of the foolish questions is that there is no God. People have had the audacity to question the existence of God, even though there is so much evidence around us that proves that there is a God somewhere. When you look at the stars, when you look at the sky, when you even look at yourself, the, comp the complex structure that with which the human body has been built, it should tell you that someone, because nothing, no, nothing jumps into existence out of nothing. If ever there is something that is in existence, it came from somewhere. And the Bible has told us that we came into existence because God brought us into existence, just like Facebook was made by Zuckerberg and iPhones was made by Steve Jobs. Amen. Amen. Many years ago, there were cars were not in existence. People were using horses. People were using donkeys. Until someone comes and now invents a car. The person is dead and gone, but people are still using their cars. Opel, Benz, all these other cars that are there. So, one of the, 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 the one of the things that will help you identify a foolish person is one that says God is not in existence. There is no God. And remember, he said right after they said there is no God, what did they do? They have gone to do abominable things and iniquity. And they don't do good things. And God is wondering, can they understand that I am there, I exist? Why wouldn't they search for me? So such questions, and uh, so these people, they, they've called themselves atheists. They've confused people over and over and over and over and again over years. Because there are questions in their mind that they don't understand. And they want to understand it, but the truth of the matter is that it's not everything you understand. You use a car, you drive a car without understanding the car. Do you understand how the fuel works in the car? All you know is that you put in gas and you are going, that is all. I mean, you are using the phone, I am talking to you. Do you understand how the phone is operating? The codings behind it, the letters and the numbers that are doing. You, nobody cares. 
So far as I can contact my wife, I can contact a friend, I can contact, so I can, I'm good, I'm good. It's enough for me. So people use products without understanding it. They don't even bother to try to understand it. It's just, how does the camera work? Many years ago, you cannot see a human being on the camera. You only see them on the mirror. How did they manage to transfer that to the camera, the phone? We are not connected to a cable. You can see me right here thousands of miles away. I can see you thousands of kilometers and miles away. How is it operating? When you are going to buy the phone, do you try to find out all these mechanical mysteries that are behind it? All you know is that I got some new phone, man. This is a good phone. I'm, I'm going to take some pictures. I'm going to take some videos, man. It looks nice, you know. That's all, that's all really. Eh? When you are buying the car, do you try to find out how the clutch is connected to the brake, how the brake is connected? You, know, you just buy the car. Or the only thing you see is the seat, the interior, how nice it is and how nice the tires and your, the sound of the car. You are just good to go. That's all. That's why when you have a problem, you take it to the mechanic because they are now studying the complex structure of the car you don't care about the complex structure all you know is that i am enjoying this good thing amen so that's there are things you would understand them look at my tongue it has the ability to speak english it has the ability to speak french come in comment to tape jim appel isaac Je viens du Ghana, j'habite là. It can speak English. It can speak different languages. Tell me which bank is installed in my human stomach that has different languages. It's a mystery. Look at how your brain functions. I tell you, one day I had the opportunity to go to the port and I stood there and I saw this huge ship. Very huge. On the water, and I looked at it and I said, This did, did this come from the brain of a human being? Huge matter, very huge. I said, Wow, the human brain has not just made a huge matter, it has made a television, it has made shoes, it has made phones, it has made watches. I, this human brain, you can't understand it. All you got to do is just move on and trust that these things are working for your good. Amen. And so we cannot understand everything. You see, if you want to understand something better, you need to find out from the manufacturer. That's why whenever you buy a product, there is an instruction manual attached to it to help you understand the product better. You understand? You see, people buy computer, they buy television, they buy a car. And, of course, many people don't even read the instruction manual. They just throw, hey, they call their kid, come on, take this and put it inside a trash can. And that is all. They don't even bother to find out, you know. But there are other people too who would take careful instruction not to break a gadget they just bought. They want to understand how it operates. Why won't you try to find out how your life is also, also supposed to operate so that you won't destroy it? 
Because someone created you. Amen. Amen. So it's very important. So you see that the enemy tries to bring all kinds of questions, unbelievable questions, to just to cause people to move away from what is good. And from serving God and from knowing God. I mean, people have had the audacity to question the existence of God. Meanwhile, they were brought into existence. A woman gave birth to them. Tell me what chemicals you can mix to make water. Water. <laughs> but somebody created that thing. It's all over the world. You lift up your head and it is falling from the sky. The owner can say, okay, don't fall again. And then it goes back. Tell me which chemical. Maybe you had sulfate or chloroquine or what? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You understand? You see, human beings are very funny. There are some things they don't understand how it is formed. They make good use of it. You know, scientists who question the, the um, integrity of God and whether God is in existence. Why don't they question the water? They use it to do their development and all that. But they, they, want to, they want to explore God scientifically. But you see, God is a spirit. You cannot explore someone that you cannot see you may have to go into that realm to be able to discover that person before you can explore hallelujah there are men and women who have risen up to challenge and insult god you know people that, that they've risen up to insult god they say all kinds of things and they bring confusion to masses of people I came to tell you that the Bible is saying foolish and unlearned question avoid because the only thing they bring is quarrel, argument, strive. Okay? I mean, how does it help you to want to know the mother of the one that made the car you are driving? Would By knowing that, would that take you to your destination? Where you are going let's assume you are going to a, a business meeting or a job but you are you are interested in finding out the mother of the one that made the car how does that contribute to you sitting in the car and going to your job so you see that there are some unnecessary questions people ask all the time amen now, I came to tell you something. Eh? Please listen. There is no one, okay, who ever loved like Jesus. There is no human being in history who ever loved like Jesus. But you also have to realize that there is no one who ever said things more difficult to swallow and understand than Jesus. Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. There are things he said ah, they are so difficult, so so difficult to uh, to grasp and to hold on to. You know, love tells the truth because he knows only the truth can save. I made a post yesterday on on Facebook and my question is is a doctor seen as an unloving and judgmental when the doctor honestly tells a patient of the diagnosis of a sickness the patient's had and the danger of that sickness and even goes further to warn the patient not to live a certain kind of lifestyle that will make him or her come into contact with that disease and the consequences of it is the doctor unloving does that mean that the doctor doesn't love because he's told you that what you have is called cancer and this is how you had it and it is not good and you need to stay away from it do you get angry at the doctor nobody says that so why do we get angry when god calls sin sin and wrong wrong you know does that mean that god is unloving when god talks about sin and the effect of sin and the dangers of sin and where it can lead an individual to people don't like the truth that's why they try to generate the devil also doesn't like the truth the devil is a liar john 8 44 that is our last scripture then we close john chapter 8 verse 44 See the descriptions of the devil is a murderer, he is a liar. Right. The devil doesn't like the truth. What, what does your version say, babe? John 8:44. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to obey your father's wishes. From the beginning, the devil was a murderer. He has never obeyed the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his natural language. He does this because he is a liar. He is the father of lies. You see? So, people want to live... The devil wants people to live a lie. A life that is totally a lie. Total deception. Unreal. Unreal. That is his nature. His nature is to deceive. His nature is to lie. So when 
one whose nature is not of the devil comes and speaks the truth then people begin to hate him they fight him they they want to stop him they want to kill him because we want to live a decept 